starting with verse 1, Exodus chapter 30, you shall make an altar to burn incense on it. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit shall be its width. It shall be square. Two cubits shall be its height. It shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top and its sides all around and its horns with pure gold. You shall make it for a molding of gold all around. Two rings you shall make for it under the molding on both sides. You shall place them on its sides. It will be holders for the poles in which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony. I love that name, the testimony. Before the mercy seat is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense throughout, uh, before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or burnt offering on it or a grain offering, nor shall you pour out a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement upon its altars uh, upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. This would be at Yom Kippur when he goes into the Holy of Holies. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generation. It is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there be may, may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel of 20 geras. The, shekel, uh, the half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more than the poor, and the poor shall not give less than a half shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. And you shall take the atonement Atonement money of the children of Israel shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. I titled our time in God's Word this morning, The Heart of Offering. The Heart of Offering. And we'll look at three things, the offering of praise, offering of diligence, and an offering of remembrance. Offering of praise, offering of diligence, and an offering of remembrance. If you've been with us in our study, one thing about the book of Exodus, and this is not just true of the book of Exodus, it's true throughout the Bible, uh, but some places it's more readily apparent than others. Uh, example, even our Roman study, if you're with us the last uh, three or four studies in our Wednesday series on, in, in the book of Romans, you'll notice that Paul has been extremely repetitive on grace. And, and I gave this illustration to folks that came on Wednesday night. When, when the Bible is repetitive... Uh, what it does, it's not repetitive without adding another nuance. It typically does. It's actually a great teaching technique. Jesus did it in his three-year ministry where he would teach the disciples something and follow my, follow my hand motions. It makes sense. When you do like this, you actually you overlap. Notice that as I go forward, my finger retouches where it had been, but yet it moves forward. And it keeps going back. And what it does, that kind of thing that God does in our life... He retraces the steps of those things which are utterly important for us. And so Moses, when he writes and basically just records what God told him to do, oftentimes Moses seems ridiculously repetitive. Paul sometimes seems 
ridiculously repetitive. Now, I say that not saying that they are ridiculous. I'm saying that if you didn't understand how quickly we forget anything, it would seem ridiculous. But the more you understand you and your flesh, you realize that, God, I actually need a lot more reminders. Right? We forget almost everything. And so God says, look, this is what I've called you to be, called you to do, called you to serve, and I'm going to keep teaching it to you. Sometimes the exact same way, but typically I will teach, I'll re-go back and trace the steps of what I've told you, and then I'll give you a little more insight. This is essentially what we do throughout the Christian life. From now until, if I live to be Pastor Chuck's age in my 80s, guess what? Chuck is still preaching from the same exact Bible that he did from the early 70s. Chuck, we've already read the book of John. You're teaching it again? We've already read the book of Exodus. You're teaching it again? The Psalms? Do I have to read the Psalms again? You know how many times I've read the book of Psalms? And God says, yeah, I know. Now tell me how much you remember. Uh, I remember that Psalm 1, and I, I remember part of Psalm 23, and I remember two verses in Psalm 119, Right? And so the Lord reminds us of these things again and again and again. And so Exodus, we see God continue to, to reinforce a life of offering. That's why I titled it the heart of offering, a life of offering. Now we see that the, the, uh, the commandments here are given specifically to the priesthood, and more specifically, uh, the first 10 verses here are given to Aaron the high priest. This would be the role of the high priest to actually go in and offer the daily incense. And then we see Moses given the responsibility of performing a census. And then the people have to give some money. Oh no, did you just say money? God told them they must give money? Yeah, because money's a good measure where the heart is a lot of times, isn't it? Money is a great measure where the heart is. You, know, you talk to almost any American, that, yeah, yeah. Troy, Troy uh, bless his heart, has to talk to churches all the time uh, that tell him, Troy, we'd love to help, but we just can't. We'd love to help. I mean, some of these churches are churches that have just built $30 million additions and higher. If I named some of the numbers, you would know exactly, you know, oh, I think I read that one, but I don't want to, I'm not trying to put any ministry down, but the reality is that of things that we put into, God is oftentimes saying, why? I didn't ask for that offering. I asked for your heart. Now, when I have your heart, I will have you give of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, but I'll have you give it in a way that brings honor, glory to me, and brings people to the Lord. And what Israel was supposed to do, which they chose not to do, very few in the nation of Israel actually, Israel was supposed to be faithful and it'd be a light and a witness to the nations, but they ended up not being that. Because God was interested in the heart of their offering. Not just to be able to cross it off the list, not just that you showed up on a Sunday, but that the heart of your offering would be something that really was your surrender. And so let's take a look at these things briefly this morning. This first, this offering of praise, you shall make an altar of burnt incense on it, make it of acacia wood, it shall be a 
length, in uh, its length shall be uh, a cubit, and its width shall be a square. A cubit, its length, by the way, that is a square. Whenever you see something that the same length and width, that's just a little geometry uh, tip for most of you there. And whenever it's the same width and length, square. Rectangle and hexagram. We won't get into all the other shapes, but that square would be the, the but it would be a little taller uh, than it was. So it would be a little rectangle looking uh, incense. They're going to picture of it there on the back table. But this small little altar, relatively small, uh, it was only three feet high and it was only 18 inches wide. So that's pretty, that's pretty short. I mean, I'm, I'm five foot nine. Uh, used to be five foot nine and a quarter, but uh, I think I've lost a quarter somewhere along the way. But, uh, you know, so three feet high, it's about this tall, the, the altar in a little square, uh, 18 inches across. Small, isn't it amazing that the God who created the universe chooses such a small little altar to daily go up before him? This isn't how man does altars to themselves, Right? You know, when the pharaohs wanted an altar to themselves, make it huge, right? Make it massive. Let my name be renowned, and God chooses this little tiny altar of incense that will daily go up before him. And really, no one actually sees the altar. Only the high priest goes there. They would see the smoke rise up through the tabernacle. They would see the incense go up, but they wouldn't be able to really see uh, anything. It's God... God does not have a complex of, man, I need to prove myself to everyone. He says he is that he is. I am that I am, right? He doesn't need to prove anything. But he does want us to come before him and say, Lord, we recognize that you are worthy of a daily incense of praise. You know, Matthew Henry said about, this, uh, said about this passage, he says, and there it is an altar of wood, and there is no mention of gold. To, uh, actually, he's speaking of um, what, ha- what takes place. This same altar of incense is rebuilt in the millennium reign of Christ. So this was the, this was the altar of incense in the days of Moses, but I don't know if you know, when Jesus returns and sets up his earthly kingdom for a thousand years, the temple will be rebuilt. Everyone knows that, right? Uh, the Lord will rebuild the temple. It may have already been rebuilt uh, towards the, or in the tribulation, or, or it's rebuilt in the early years of the millennium reign. We don't know exactly, but we know that the temple is rebuilt. And this same altar of incense is rebuilt, but it's larger in the millennium than it was in the tabernacle. It's a, it's a, larger, uh, uh, it's a larger representation of the same altar. And what takes place, though, in the millennium reign, it's not overlaid with gold. It's just wood. Uh, It'll be wood. There's no mention of gold to signify that the incense, this is Matthew Henry speaking, uh, no mention of gold to signify the incense in gospel times should be spiritual and the worship plain and the service of God in large, for in every place incense should be offered. See, what takes place is in Moses' time, the altar was overlaid with gold. It was small, again, three feet high, 18 inches across, overlaid with gold. And then when Jesus comes, 
he tears down the veil, and we actually have entrance into the Holy of Holies. The altar of incense wasn't actually even in the Holy of Holies. It was just outside of where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. There was the veil that kept the altar of incense from where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the Lord would rest. And so the priest would come in, and they would actually minister the incense facing the testimony. What's the testimony? The Ark of the Covenant. Later, the Ten Commandments would be put in there. And so the testimony would be inside the Ark, and the priest would offer up incense directly in front of the veil. Jesus would later tear the veil back, and you and I, vessels of wood, which would be the future altar of incense in the millennium of Christ, we will be vessels of wood, and our lives are an incense. Make sense? Now later, when he brings us to heaven, we'll be made in his likeness, and the Lord will actually bestow upon us the perfection that we never see in this lifetime as vessels of wood. And so we see way back in the Old Testament, covering it with gold is a picture of what God will do for us in heaven. But right now today, he wants us to be altars of incense going up before the Lord. He wants us to be offering of praise. You know, Malachi 1.11 says, For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. That's you and I. Some of you are Jewish here. Some of you are Gentiles like myself. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering from my name shall be great among the nations. Our brothers and sisters in India offer the same offer of praise as us in Virginia. Our brothers and sisters in China, same offering of praise. They may have heard the gospel before us or after us. In some cases, what's really cool, you take a look at India, uh, India received the gospel. It was Thomas went there, right? And Thomas was martyred there in India. Do you realize India received the gospel before the United States? Of course, there was, United, there was no United States then, right? We all understand that we're actually a pretty young nation. The United States was not the first to receive the gospel. The Native Americans who lived here, we believe the gospel absolutely reached them as well at different times, maybe even before uh, you know, the Mayflower and before the Vikings uh, landed up there. But nevertheless, God has always been desiring that all the nations of the world, through the people that he saves, would become individual altars of incense to the Lord. That's what he says there in Malachi 1.11, that everywhere, every place, incense shall be offered to my name. And what is he speaking of? What is the incense? Well, it's the, life, uh, it's the life that we live, but specifically, the incense is a picture of those of us who have come to the Lord, and now we live a life of prayer. This is why Paul said, pray without ceasing, that the incense would go up constantly. Now we know this is true. In Revelation 5.8 it says, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Did you hear that? The incense in the book of Revelation that the elders are holding, 24 elders, we don't know exactly who the 24 elders are. Are they the 12 original sons of Jacob? Are they that and the 12 apostles? We don't know, but we know there's 24 elders, and they're holding bowls. And guess what's in the bowls? Your prayers. My prayers. 
Not only that, Revelation 8 confirms this again, Revelation chapter 8, 3 and 4. All of our prayers, the ones that are done in the Spirit, that's why Jude tells us to pray in the Spirit, not the goofy prayers that God didn't ordain. Right? Lord, make me the strongest guy here. God's like, I don't care about that. You care about that. Lord, I want more money, more power, more wealth. Well, people that want that, they sell their soul to the devil, right? We don't pray for those things. We pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then when we pray in accordance with God's will, we start praying for the things that God cares about. Lord, pray that you save my cousin. Pray that you save so-and-so's marriage. Lord, you are worthy of praise. Lord, you are awesome. You are great. You are mighty. You are holy. Those prayers go into these golden bowls as incense before the Lord. Perpetual. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come, and the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, and your law is written within my heart. The children of Israel, God wanted them to offer up every day, not just Aaron the high priest, but all of the people offer up offerings of praise. That's the way God wanted them to start their day. Notice the incense were at the end of the day as well, and finish the day. When you rise and when you lay down, that you would be praising God. Yeah, but what if I have a headache? Praise Him anyway. Right? Yeah, but what if uh, the day went really bad? Praise him you're still alive. Praise him that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus said, don't even praise me because spirits are subject to you, right? Praise him that you've been saved and redeemed, that the Lord has called you his own. Don't let your feelings, your feeling. what if Aaron didn't feel like going into the tabernacle one day? What would Moses tell him? Get yourself in there. I was up on the mountain for 40 days. God was pretty sure. I was pretty sure that God said, you needed to be doing this every day. I don't feel like doing it. Get in there now. It's good to have somebody that will actually compel you to do what you ought to do. And guess what? You have someone. It's called the Holy Spirit. You don't need me. You don't need Troy. You don't need your wife. You need all these in, in one sense, but in the larger sense of the fact that someone to remind you to offer up your life, offer up your prayers, offer up incense of praise to the Lord, God says, I will remind you. I will compel you. The children of Israel, rather than do this eventually, and rather than offering themselves in prayer to the Lord and daily praising God, they would begin to murmur in their hearts. We need to purpose daily to offer prayer and praise to the Lord and to offer it in awe and thankfulness. You know, he's given us, according to Isaiah 61.3, he has given us garments of praise. Isn't that great? You, you know you can't give yourself garments of praise? You can't give yourself garments of praise. I sent a text to someone yesterday who was... Um, uh, they're not from this church, they're just uh, a, a fellow believer, friend, and they were just having one of those days they were kind of down. 
And, uh, and I sent a text. I sent a text from uh, a devotion from Amy Carmichael. Any of you know who Amy Carmichael was? Or know who she is? She's with the Lord, so she still is. She was on the earth, but she's actually with the Lord. God is the God of the living. Amen? So she's with the Lord. Uh, but when she was alive, she lived in India. And she was used by the Lord to reach the people of India. And uh, she talked about feeling. She said, um, there's days when you wake up and you just feel down. She goes, there's no rhyme or reason for it. You just feel down. And uh, you, you, can't really, uh, you can't really change feelings. They're just there. And you can't argue with feelings. You can only rest assured that feelings are like mist that settles over a mountain. They come, and they eventually go. They burn off. But the mountain doesn't move, does it? And so what we do when we offer up an incense of praise to the Lord, when we start our day, and you don't feel like praising God. I love the simplicity of God's word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I'm so glad I'm not dictated by feelings. If I was dictated by feelings, I'd probably change career fields every nine days or something. Not anymore, but I used to kind of like, you know, but always thinking about something. God says, don't follow that. Just follow my word. Follow my word. His will is really simple. Just start by praising the Lord. You know, is there an acronym called ACTS? You guys know the acronym ACTS? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. God wants us to walk in each of those, to adore Him, to come before Him daily and confessing our sin, to come before Him daily with thanksgiving, and then in supplication, to pray for the needs of others. Actually, far more than ourselves. When we pray for others, God, He knows what we need. We spend way too much time praying for ourselves, but not near enough praying for others. That uh, when, when Aaron is coming before the Lord and he's offering up incense every day, offering up with praise to the Lord, but also, Lord, be merciful to these people. Be merciful to Moses, my brother. Be merciful to my brethren. Be merciful to the household of Israel. And you and I pray for, and we just continue to offer up these prayers and these offerings and these sacrifices of praise. It's not easy sometimes to praise the Lord when things are coming down around you. But that's the test of saying, Lord, I believe that just like the mountain that will not move, you don't move. We move all the time. I'm going to uh, stop us right here, and I'm going to do what I've had to do on Wednesday nights numerous times, a part two. So we'll pick this up, and we'll do a part two next week where I'll cover the other two bullet points, offering of diligence and offering of remembrance, as the Lord would have it. And sometimes if God wants us to spend a little more time on something, we will. Amen? Because I believe that God wants us to not just understand these things intellectually, and not just accept them intellectually, but to be able to actually lay our lives before the Lord and say, Lord, you don't have my head, you have my heart. And it's not 
It's not, a, uh, it's not a perfect linear path where God changes us. But we have to start by saying, Lord, I'm going to give you the things you've asked me to give. It starts with many, many in the body of Christ. Before you would be willing to suffer the way that Troy spoke of some of those folks, we can't even, uh, by the way, you can't, you can't make yourself have that kind of faith. You walk in the newness of the faith that God has given you, and he gives you that kind of faith. You guys realize that, right? That is another manifestation of grace. I cannot become so full of faith that I would do anything for the Lord. What I can do is every day offer God what he's already asked me to offer. Start by praising him. Start by praying for other people. Start by praising him by reading his word. Start by telling him that I love his word. And then say, Lord, give me more of you and more of your faith, more of your grace, more of your life-changing power. And he does. And then it's not me doing it in my flesh. I wish you, if you're not coming to our Wednesday series on Romans, you really should because uh, the Lord is breaking down, I I think those of you have been coming, some really good walls and Many people are frustrated because they're trying to do things in their own power, and God never told us to do it in our own power. You don't have any power. There is not an ounce of power. There's simply an obedience in our life. And God takes that simple incense of obedience, and then he transforms it into power. And then uh, the people that you hear of these testimonies, it's not that they manufactured such great boldness. It's God puts the in them. They don't know where it came from. Well, they know where it came from. They know it came from the Holy Spirit, but they can't manufacture it. But if we're not going to first do as Aaron did, say, Lord, no matter what, I'm going back in every morning to start all over living sacrifices, Romans chapter 12. Let's uh, close as the worship team comes up. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of the sacrifice of our lives. You're worthy, Lord, that our lives would be an incense, a sweet aroma unto you. And we know that the way that we have relationship with you is not something that we orchestrated. It's through the blood-bought death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, then you've imparted to us your Holy Spirit that now compels us to talk to you in prayer. And to talk to you through your word. And you actually talk to us. Where you would meet. As you would meet Aaron there, you meet us daily. And Lord, then we have the strength to go forward. And and whether our feelings are one thing or not, we genuinely are given the joy of the Lord, which becomes our strength. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is steadfast, faithful, and true. That these things, as we begin to practice them, We can look back like watching the hands of the clock, Father. We look back and we see you brought us so far. Lord, I pray that we would truly understand that a life of service and offering to you is where real joy and real peace is found. Not in trying to have things our way and and try and hold on to this world, which is fading anyway. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.